If you're of a certain age, you might be able to remember a time before coronavirus where people would go out to places called nightclubs and dance in tight spaces and even tighter clothing. And if you're of a certain age, you might remember doing it at the turn of the last decade when electronic dance music, or EDM, collided into pop music to energise a new generation of clubgoers. And in the middle of this mix of auto-tuned vocals, swirling synths, syncopated beats, were the Black Eyed Peas. The band had always been a chameleon of sorts, jumping between rap, soul, funk and dance music, but with their latest release, which producer and rapper Will I Am dubbed Electric Static Funk, they wanted to push their cross-genre musical style into the next millennium, and leave everybody else on the charts behind in 2000 and late. On June 3rd, 2009, the Black Eyed Peas released the END, The Energy Never Dies, and became the first group in 19 years to score three Billboard Hot 100 chart toppers from one album. Not only that, they would define mainstream dance music, laying the groundwork for other artists on the pop side of things to continue with the iconic late 2000s EDM sound. The END was nominated for six Grammy Awards in 2010 and won the award for Best Pop Vocal Album and also sold around 11 million copies worldwide. Which is why it's no wonder that the Jonas Brothers' fourth studio album, Lines, Vines and Trying Times, released just under two weeks later, is hardly remembered at all. Shockingly, it also went to number one on the Billboard 200 and inexplicably has sold over one million copies worldwide. How well have the club beats and teeny bopper ballads of 2009 aged? Why do Pedro and I insist on torturing ourselves with albums like this? I guess we're going to find out. Welcome to When Albums Collide. Welcome to When Albums Collide. My name is Judd Boaz. I'm joined by my co-host Pedro Duran. Pedro, how's things? Good. Things are um, they're excellent. And you know what? I got a feeling that tonight's going to be a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst human being. No, okay, so we were doing this and we were discussing and I said to you, I think the exact sentence I said to you is, I want to do a really shit album this week. That's Because uh, we've been doing classics. Like we did Nevermind, you know, for Christ's sake. Um, So I felt like it was time we we go to the dumpster. And then you asked, and this this conversation is actually on our Instagram, if people want to head to at When Albums Collide. You asked me, do you want to do the normal or deluxe version? Uh, Mm -hmm. And I said, normal. And you said, it's just how long it is. The deluxe version is an hour and 49 minutes. Yeah. So I said the normal version and you said, okay, thank God. And yeah. I said, there's no way I'm fucking doing the deluxe version. I'd rather cut my own dick off. Uh, and okay. that remains true. Honestly, self-mutilation, after listening to just the normal version, which was an hour and nine minutes, self-mutilation doesn't look so bad in comparison. <laughs> Let's dive into it. We are reviewing the END, in brackets, The Energy Never Dies, by Black Eyed Peas and Lines, Vines, and Trying Times. Uh, which both came out in June 2009. What do you know about either of these bands, Pedro? Yeah, well, in regards to uh, the Black Eyed Peas, I mean, 
Oh man, my introduction to the Black Eyed Peas was with a song and the music video for uh, Joints and Jam, which was released in 1998. Um, it was their second single off their debut album, um, Behind the Front. Back when, you know, they were used to be like an alternative hip hop group. Um, they used to, I mean, now they have, well, they they had Fergie on this album. Back in the day, they had another singer by the name of King Hill, Kim Hill, excuse me. And yeah, they were just more like alternative hip hop. I think they were riding that wave of um, um, conscious rap groups coming out of Los Angeles that were uh, reactionary to the gangster rap that was prevalent in the 90s and stuff and um, I just always enjoy that music video because um, they're rapping into the camera you know very much like that hip-hop music video cliche but the interesting thing is that they uh, occasionally get sucked into the camera as if um, the camera has some kind of suction effect I always thought it was pretty cool Uh, I've just never seen that in a music video and then um, personally in high school I've um, I've accidentally saw them in concert at Disney World. You accidentally yeah. saw the Yeah, concert. I mentioned to you that, you know, um, growing up in Florida, um, you know, and fans of the show know that I grew up in Florida. Every year you go to Disney World as a school trip. I mean, thank you. Thank you, Board of Education, for this yeah, wonderful experience. <laughs> one day, one, one of those field trips, there was a stage set up and I was like, oh, there's people performing. And I went up and it was the Black Eyed Peas. And this was in like um 2003 time um because they were doing uh like where's the love and all that and um i was like oh that's cool and i just continued so i think i mean that was technically kind of the first concert i've ever been to the black eyed peas yeah so um and then of course you know they started getting kind of more famous with songs like where's the love in 2003 um i think off that time that concert at Disney World I think they were handing out uh, free copies of Elefunk because I ended up with a copy of Elefunk the 2003 album you and I both my friend you and I both I think yeah. my brother bought a copy of Elefunk the like deluxe double CD edition and I think we still own it it's still somewhere in Alice Springs yeah oh wow okay so yeah so that's uh, my experience with um, the Black Eyed Peas um, and in regards to the Jonas Brothers I mean I always just kind of knew them as kind of this like Disney group, right? Like, um, they were basically manufactured, speaking about Walt Disney, um, they were just manufactured by the Walt Disney Company, um, just like other acts like, I don't know, Miley Cyrus or um, Selena Gomez and, and stuff like that. And um, I never really paid attention to their music, but um, I know the media made a big deal of uh, their purity rings, right? For a bit. There was That was like, that was something... Um, and, um, yeah, I never listened to their music, but I do enjoy, uh, uh, that the new song, well, 2019 song sucker. I think that's uh that's a pop banger there. Yeah. I forgot about the purity rings. That's a good, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the same boat, like black eyed peas, you know, when I was 10 years old, they were really cool. You know, like I, I got along with them Yeah. and then they did monkey business, their next album. I remember. And I remember the video for don't funk with my heart, which rapidly yeah. accelerated my puberty. Um, cause Fergie looks so hot in that video. And then really? yeah, I okay. think so just, just quietly. And then, uh, then this comes, and this is their shift towards EDM, sort of away from hip hop. And um, yeah, I really don't like this album, man. Like, as and it not not <laughs> not just what it sounds like, but what it like represents. I fucking can't stand it. And Jonas Brothers, 
I've never listened to a Jonas Brothers song before today or before this week when we were researching for these albums. Did you have something on Black Eyed Peas? No, it's just fun. it's funny. Um, you said what the album is and what it represents, and that's interesting because um, yeah, I think one of them is a lot more problematic than the other one. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, problematic. Interesting. So Will I Am said about the E N D. I'm just going to call it the end, but it stands for the energy never dies. I'm trying to break away from the concept of an album. What is an album when you can put 12 songs on iTunes and people can pick at it like scabs? That's not an album. There is no album anymore. And comparing your album to a fucking scab is exactly how I would describe it, Will. So very nice there. (laughs) He also said that he was inspired by a trip to Australia about this album. Specifically, the sound of the preset song, My People, which, if you're not from Australia, you might not know it, but an absolute classic Aussie banger. energy on the presets small little stage was crazy that song when he sings the chorus is wild that's the reason why this record sounds the way it does my three months in australia so very nice we, we did have an influence our our tiny little country but as you mentioned the deluxe version of this which again i would rather cut my dick off than listen to is one hour and 49 minutes long you could watch yeah, academy award-winning films in that time span you could watch the fucking lion king one and a half times learn some very important lessons about belonging and guilt and responsibility. But no, instead, we chose to listen to the Black Eyed Peas. So instead, we just listened to the normal international version, I'm assuming you did too, yeah. which is still yeah, yeah. an interminable one hour and nine minutes long, but mercifully ten tracks shorter. Let's do this. And for the record, Pedro, I was putting this off a lot. At one point, I was just, like, staring at my ceiling, laying on my bed in dead silence. That was preferable to undertaking this album. Really? Wow. Yeah, it was torturous. Impending torture. On the Jonas Brothers side, uh, a little bit about their history. They're from New Jersey. Joe, Kevin, and Nick, the three Jonas Brothers, in 2005, they recorded their first demo, Please Be Mine. And upon hearing the song, the Columbia Records president, Steve Greenberg, decided to sign the brothers as a group. If that name sounds familiar, it should. It's the very same Steve Greenberg who signed the Baja Men, who he covered all the way back Mm. in episode 13. And he also signed Hanson back in the day so this guy has a huge hard-on for brother trios God, that sounds very weird the way you well, say it like that you know you know it is and what are they up to you know after all that disney channel stuff what are the jonas brothers up to now kevin jo- jonas has an influencer marketing company maybe we can get him to pimp the podcast a bit at least more than the ads on 4chan do uh joe jonas is in dnce which i'm ashamed to say i actually like they have some decent songs there's one with Nicki minaj called kissing strangers it's pretty good pop rock. And Nick Jonas stars in movies now. He has his solo career, but he also starred in that new Jumanji remake, if you remember. And he's also famous for having a smoking hot wife in Priyanka Chopra yeah. that is 10 years his senior. So good honor, you know, she's, she's crushing it. Congratulations. Let's dive into it. Let's do it track by track. The first track on The End by the Black Eyed Peas, Boom Boom Pow. This isn't even as catchy as I remember it being. I thought this would be way more catchy, and it's not really. Like, I was kind of disappointed, because I was like, oh, Boom Boom Pow, I'll at least get down to this. 
and it was not what I thought. And f- some of the lyrics, Jesus Christ. It's fascinating. I mean, uh, um, this is the group's first number one U.S. single. Which is, that's crazy, because I thought they were really popular. You know, like, let's get it started in here. Let You know, where is the love? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, you know, those, were, I mean, well, that last um, Elephant was the one where it was kind of giving them um, that shine and putting them onto the mainstream. But this is the album that really made them... Um, I guess superstars and it's it's fascinating man just researching the information on this album um you know um they sold i guess what over 11 million copies just in the u.s maybe even more worldwide i think 33 million co- uh, copies worldwide they had two songs they 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 occupied the number one spot and the number two spot thus joining the likes of artists like elvis presley and the Beatles, and the more I did research on the Black Eyed Peas and this album in particular, I was shocked. And I was shocked in the same way I was when I watched that Jeffrey Epstein documentary. <laughs> I just couldn't believe, like, I kept asking myself, how long has this been going on for? How much? And how did they get away with how it? Mu- yeah, how did they get away with it? How much money exchanged hands? I'm like, <laughs> What is going on here? It's really, it's really crazy. You're right. This is a song, like some of the lyrics, beats so big, I'm stepping on leprechauns, shitting on y'all with the boom, boom. Fuck off, Will I Am. That sucks. Yeah. And the fact, this song was nominated for Best Dance Recording, which is, it's another uh, crazy, um, uh, crazy fact. But, um, yeah, I mean, as we go on, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious Will I Am, he's realize that he's just making kind of <laughs> shallow dumb pop music and it works because his albums was super successful um but i will have to give it to them in the in the line um and i think it's kind of a classic line everyone knows it, it goes i'm so 3008 you so 2000 and lame yeah like that's it's a it is a classic yeah line, that's yeah. catchy so um it, it's a crazy hit i i mean i think maybe the influence of africa uh Bambada's uh, Planet Rock, um, you know, kind of uh, inf- uh, kind of helps because you're, a lot of people are familiar with that song. But bro, this song sounds like just a bunch of sweaty nights oh. filled with diet Red Bull bro. and vodka drinks. Uh, I mean, we did, we talked about this, and this was one of the f- the very first things we ever talked about on this podcast, which was when we did the Chris Brown Fortune. I believe it's the same year, two thousand and nine. This is the same genre, and this is the exact same shit. I can, like it just takes me back to those nights. Like there's a there's a bar in in Alice Springs, one of the only ones in Alice Springs where I grew up in this tiny okay. little desert town called the Juicy Rump. The Juicy it's Rump. The, it's, <laughs> okay. That's not bullshit. It, it was actually called the Juicy Rump. Wow. And it was like attached to the casino, and it was just everyone would end up there at like three a.m. on a Saturday night. And, you know, the, it's the, the floors are sticky and everyone kind of smells like shit because they've been dancing for three hours. And it's just the word. That's what this album tastes like to me. It tastes like $5 vodka raspberry and it tastes like shit, Pedro. Um, I really dislike it. It's just the most hollow, disgusting pop music. This is the kind of song that a TV station would use in an ad or a commercial for a TV show to be hip with the kids. You know, like, this week on The Bachelor, Becky and Travis are looking for a little boom, boom, pow. And then they play this song. It's so funny that that, that bar, um, the, ju- the Juicy, juicy Rump, actually, 
That actually sounds like it could be a Black Eyed Peas song. Like, <laughs> it does. my juicy, my juicy, juicy. And, but they would play Black Eyed Peas like all, all night. It was disgusting. Anyway, so yeah. the Jonas Brothers hopefully can wash it out of our ears with their first song, World War Three. And the New York Daily News reviewed it, saying World War Three sounds like they just pulled a collective hernia. It's that's honestly Jeez. not that far off because the vocals here, I felt like they were trying to do like an eighties rock thing where they he sound like i think kevin jonas is vocalizing and he sounds like bon jovi trying to squeeze out a shit it's just really not what i expected they're they're coming out hard on that first track uh i didn't hate it I'll admit that I didn't hate it. Um, it's uh, um, I didn't expect it from a Jonas uh, Brothers album. Like I said, um, I always just consider them, particularly at this point of their career, as kind of a Disney band. So I kind of um, was expecting more of a poppy, bubblegum sound. But I think uh, as we go on with the album, they are trying to be a little more mature with their um with their music and i think that's why um for a massive reason um the the album wasn't really received well by critics uh yeah and you gotta look at the age sort of differential here like you know kevin jonas is 21 but his brothers are like 16 and stuff so that what they're singing about Mm. it's it like they can't really go dirty or anything because it's kind of weird to hear a 16 year old dude who just got pubes (laughs) sing about stuff like that Nick Jonas told the London Times that he penned this song about a combative girlfriend out of personal experience. He explained, it's about this relationship this person kept on fighting and making out like it was World War III when it was really a one-sided battle. It was just them coming at you and you don't really have any problems, but they want to cause drama. Uh, We've all been Mm. there, Pedro. Yeah. Uh, And then the big single comes with Paranoid. And the three brothers wrote this song with English singer Kathy Dennis, who we all know, all know and love. She wrote Toxic for Britney, Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie. She's a friend of the show. I don't think this is going to make any Kathy Dennis greatest hits album. Like, I don't know how this was the lead single. Even for 2009, this is pretty bland. And they did this on, like, David Letterman and, and stuff. Dude, you took the words right out of my mouth. I put bland. Like, I, 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 I said the same thing. I was like, this song is very bland. It, it doesn't even sound like a single. It, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. And that's one thing that I will give criticism as we go on with this album. No, None of the songs seem massively great or, like, a big hit, especially for a pop group. You know, you, you were mentioning Hans, Hanson before. You know, like Mbop, like it's just, it is super catchy, but there's nothing on this album that I was specifically like, oh, wow, that's, that's a radio banger, you know, compared to like Black Eyed Peas, where almost like everything is reaching for the radio on, on, on the end, um, so to the point that it's almost obnoxious. Cause it's just like, okay, there's another one. All right. It's another cl- uh, song for the, for the club. But, um, yeah, yeah, I was, it, 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 I just found it really interesting that they chose this to be the single. I thought there was, it's, it's odd. Cause you're right. Like if I were to pick a situation, like I said, black eyed peas, their music is designed for a promo for the bachelor or master chef yeah. or farmer wants a wife. This is essentially royalty-free stock music that they're playing. Yeah. And about half of this Jonas Brothers album I could see being played in an ad for a minivan or a Hyundai Getz. <laughs> yeah. Um, just really inoffensive, sort of pump-up, a little bit bland. I wonder if we're going to offend anyone by 
shit because these both these bands have quite rabid fan bases don't they well i don't know about black eyed peas have you i was talking to somebody over the weekend and i was we we're discussing this sh- you know the show and i and i and they brought up a good point there was like oh i don't they, they said have you ever met of uh, someone that was a fan of the black eyed peas and i was like <laughs> i don't know i don't I'm probably not they, they probably say i know their music but i've never met anyone that was like oh my god i love the black eyed peas i've been following them since <laughs> <laughs> there you know since 1999 and and kept it moving i was like mm, okay you got here's my one. black eyed peas tattoo yeah i was like they got they this person's got a good point rock that body there's so much going on in this song like there's so much there's it's all over the place fergie's vocals are auto-tuned to the point where she sounds like a robot and not the good kind rob bass and dj easy rocks it takes two is sampled non-stop yeah. it's wherever i think everyone will know that that sample and david getter produces the track david getter is all over this track like a goddamn rash and we can't understate his impact because if you look at the songs that he is making at this point in time june 2009 summer 2009 it pretty much defines what you hear in every mainstream club around Mm. the world like this sound is what club music people will look back and like oh yeah that's what clubs used to sound this is what people used to dance to like the part where will i am is singing is very david Mm. getta as well you know like okay i'm gonna list a bunch of songs you know when love takes over titanium club can't even handle me right now he is the godfather of this commercial edm slop and i imagine he feels much like how the inventor of you know the electric chair feels or the inventor of crystal meth feels guilty but he's also very rich doing it so he can sleep yeah yeah that's a that's a good way to put it yeah yeah i just remember when this song came on i was like wow i can it's like i'm in a time portal that just takes me back to some nameless club on the on on hollywood boulevard that i was just visiting at the time yeah it, it is it's crazy I, I will give the song credit because i think it's mixed really well and, and i didn't know that was it was it was mr david uh so i i think maybe that has um something to do with it because he i, I imagine him being very meticulous behind the boards and in the studios making sure that the songs mix exactly the way he wants to uh he wants to get it uh done um but um yeah this is another one it's just like another song designed for the club i mean rock your body i mean what you know what i mean like it's yeah, just there's, yeah. there's nothing uh to it nothing deep behind it so um it's just a just a manufactured club banger look i start getting scared because then meet me halfway comes on and i was like oh no they are front loading this album with all the yes. singles <laughs> what awaits over yonder towards the end of exactly, the album for us pedro yeah. what what delights could possibly await if they've used all their singles um, there's a really nice sample that is just undercurrent. I had to listen to it a couple times of Maps by Yeah Yeah Yeahs, okay. which is a very famous indie rock song. And Fergie is doing a, a pretty nice impression of Sneaky Sound System here. This is the best song on the album for me. But they can't get out of their own way. They put in this awful auto-tuned bridge to ruin a perfectly cromulent song. It it was it was going fine, and then they just ruin it with this bridge. I, I why did they, why do that? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, AutoTune was the shit at that time, so I think they just maybe they just downloaded a a free plugin, and they just like we have to use it as much as possible before the thirty day trial ends. But yeah, coming from the previous song where it was just so um, high energy, and then coming to this, the transition was a little jarring because this kind of slows down. Um, it's just a chilled kind of anthem 
song about making uh, compromises in a relationship. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is one of the, uh, I guess, the better songs on the album because it's not blasting you in the face with uh, uh, themes of ecstasy and dancing and, and vodka shots. Um, so, yeah, I did enjoy this one uh, as well. But it is interesting. They, I, I noticed that, too. I was like, oh, I've heard all these songs. I was just waiting for uh, the car to fall off the cliff, and uh, it, it eventually does on the album. Yes, it does. What do you think of Fergie, by the way? Because this is, she would have come out with the Duchess, you know, with, yeah. like, London Bridge, Fergalicious yeah. in, like, 06. So she's, at this point, I think the idea was, like, she was bigger than the Black Eyed Peas because they hadn't had a hit for a little yeah, while yeah yeah but i think like her performance on this this is like her best vocal performance because she's not i mean she probably is auto-tuned but she's not robotic at it um and she sounds like she's cleaned up she's not addicted to crystal meth anymore on this album from what i can tell have you seen the photo like you know where has she peed her pants on stage have you seen that photo yeah that's how i know yeah I've, that's how i really that's the image that's burned that's how you that's how you, you associate with Fergie of just she's in like uh like cargo pants like shorts or something and then there's just a huge wet patch of her on stage peeing her pants because she's high on crystal meth and she doesn't know Wait, what she's is doing. Wait, she, was she really a big ice head? Yeah, yeah. She said she, like, she is a recovering crystal meth addict and she said she was relapsing at that time. And so apparently when... I've never done crystal meth, to my knowledge. <laughs> um, so you just, you drink a lot and then you just, you, like, your your body is just going through all this all this stuff. So you just pee. Mm. My goodness. Oh, man, it's so crazy. Because I heard another story. I just heard they, the way they, they spun it, like some of these uh, music publications, they were like, oh, she was just so dedicated to performing that she just didn't excuse herself to go to the bathroom. No one that, oh my, no one is that dedicated that they're going <laughs> to piss their pants in front of an audience. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so crazy. Have you ever, have we ever been doing the podcast and you've really needed to go, but you didn't want to break the flow. So you just shat yourself while we were doing the podcast. Good, no, yeah. that's r- ridiculous. Right. So why, why would she Good do that? Point. Anyway, it's a fine song and she's, she's all yeah. right. Fly with me is the next song on the Jonas Brothers, uh, lines, vines, and trying times. According to the Jonas Brothers fandom page, they write, This album showcases an incredible musical journey by the Jonas Brothers, as well as their growth as songwriters and musicians. They've incorporated horns into several songs, as well as harmonicas and pedal steel guitars. The entire CD is a veritable smorgasbord of pop and rock gems. I mean, I think these cunts need to get their ears checked because yeah. I did not hear any of that. Yeah. This is, it's a fine song. I think this is the second single maybe. So again, they're front loading their singles. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And I think the build up, it sounds a little bit like You Belong With Me by Taylor Swift, um, and they, which came out two months before mm. this. Uh, and she has a connection to the band. We'll get into it. But again, you're right. Like this is a Disney band. They were on season two of Hannah Montana. They're on Camp Rock. They're on all this, you know, kid stuff. So it's just going to be very safe and bland the whole way through. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I found this song to be extra boring, extra bland. Um, I don't know why they put a, a plain sound effect at the end. It doesn't add anything to it. I mean, yeah, because the songs fly with me, whatever. But it's just it was just kind of dumb. Um, yeah, this is like super safe music. I mean, this ended up being on used in the film Night at the Museum, uh, colon, Battle of the Smithsonian, because, you know... Um, probably affiliated with disney and we need to put it out there to make some money on some synchronization um licenses and stuff but um yeah so far on the album this is it's not looking good uh, uh to me at all so 
Which is an interesting contrast. I mean, both these albums are very safe. They're very commercial. You can play it in a club. There's no swearing, really. Um, I mean, Will I Am might swear or drop an N-bomb here and there, but there's nothing really that drastic, which is why I was confused by the next song on Jonas Brothers' Lines, Vines, and Trying Times, Poison Ivy. Mm, yes. Is this a song about herpes? Really? Wow, I didn't even think about that. I guess it could be an interpreted as... The, like yeah, the every first girl, verse. Allergic. Yeah, go ahead. I just got back from the doctor. He told me I had a problem, but I realized it's you. I tried to scratch away the issue. All I ever get is tissues so I could wipe away my tears. Mm. Surely the Jonas Brothers didn't do an STI song. <laughs> oh, man. It's a possibility. They're trying to get a lot more mature on this album. So I mean, let's cut the shit, Pedro. Let's ask the questions people really want to know. What percentage of the Jonas Brothers do you think have an STI? Uh, I would say two-thirds. One's married, right? Two-thirds. Six, yeah, 66%. Yes, I would say so. But that's just me guessing (laughs) because it comes out of nowhere really and you know if you're rich and famous and you're a you know you're a famous rock star surely there's there's stuff there's stuff in the ether there's girls around or or boys around um is this is it a covert it sounds a lot like an sti song it could be it could be i mean uh, especially at that point they've probably taken off that purity ring and they're just going fucking crazy with the shagging so that might uh it's become a cock yeah, ring well yeah. Yeah, i had a joke about that <laughs> too <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> but um with, with in regards to the song you know what i didn't really hate it i didn't think it w- i didn't really consider it to be it as uh, an std song but compared to the previous songs i thought it was fine it does follow this like classic pop music trope where you know a woman is the personification of trouble or difficulty. You know what I mean? I think about songs like Dion and the Belmont's Run Around Sue, Outkast is Caroline, Michael Jackson's Dirty Diana, or like even a newer song like Lil Wayne's Mona Lisa, where it's like this chick or whoever she is, she's, you know, like she's the cause of this guy's problems and, but he can't get enough of her and so forth and so forth. So um, just enough, this was just like the, I guess the way you interpret it could be the G version or uh, or it could be the triple the, the X version. I mean, shit, okay, I will give this to the Black Eyed Peas. There are a lot of big hits. Whether the hits are any good is, is another matter, but there are a lot of successful songs in this album because we get another two, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. I'm a B. This is one of the most annoying songs in the universe to me. Maybe only beaten by the next song on the album, which we'll get to. Really? Okay. So they've, it's like, I think they have three pretty decent songs here, and they've smashed them together to make one terrible mm-hmm. song. The beat is fine at the start, if a little bit repetitive, but the actual rapping is really bad. You just wish someone with an actual ability to rap had tackled this song. Yeah. Lines like, I'ma be a brother, but my name ain't Lehman. Yo. I'ma be a bank. I'll be loaning out semen. Yeah, I heard that rhyme, oh, and I was like, "What man. the fuck?" Like that was like that was that's mad corny, man. That's mad corny. It's, it's revolting, man. Like, and also, it's not sexy. And, yeah, and also, it, it's uh, such a time capsule of like where we're at because the like that financial cl- uh, crisis is happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Lehman Brothers. Yeah, and it's funny because with the whole album and and everything, this reminds me just right we'll just walk with me with this analogy like the roaring 20s there was a jazz age and people were just drinking and not giving a fuck about everything compare it to this where we were talking about uh that chris brown album fortune and this there were there must have been a time where just people were not caring about the impending 
financial crisis that was coming <laughs> or the coronavirus that we are now you know dealing with people were just like i just want to go to the club and i want to dance my problems away which are actual lyrics in an upcoming black eyed peas songs <laughs> called party all the time further in the album uh, it's just it's uh it's it's absolutely ridiculous i i think this is also the start of like the adhd kind of music because there's a completely left field bridge that serves no purpose and then it goes from like a pretty passable rap song yeah. to a weird electro house yeah, track it speeds up at, yeah. at the, I, like uh, for what reason you know just if you just want to do a house track just do it separately or do a remix don't put them in the same song because instead of having one good song you have two terrible ones uh, i just uh, yeah i think Not that for was for the for the b-boys to start breaking down or whatever yeah now but in the club yeah yeah to, oh yeah you make you make a circle in the middle of the dance floor and you just yeah, step yeah. up step up revolution or whatever the fuck that movie was called yeah i mean this is a super high energy song and i and i it, it is super annoying and I agree with you. If you had a more uh, capable rapper, I was thinking like Missy Elliott could have done something pretty cool with the with the first uh, half of the song. You know, this could have been a, a big hit for her. But um, yeah, um, it's high energy, super annoying, and then the fact that they just speed it up towards the end is just kind of like, well, well, what's what's going on here? Yeah, let's take a pause for the cause, and we'll come back to the big hit after this. The Next Level Sketch podcast is a new all-sketch comedy podcast from London's Next Level Sketch. Whether you like sketch comedy, or you just hate non-recorded live comedy, there's bound to be something here for you. Subscribe to the Next Level Sketch podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Anchor FM, or go to nextlevelsketch.com podcast. back on when albums collide let's talk about i got a feeling Mm -hmm. i've heard this song too much i've just heard it too much man and even when i hadn't heard it i thought it was kind of a bland song this is to me the chicken mcnuggets of dance music (laughs) but that's the point it's a song with uplifting lyrics safe accessible song structure david getter's back and his fingers are all over this building the tempo you know it's it's reaching up you know how like um like dr seuss's cat in the hat only used like 50 words of the english language okay. but it came became one of the biggest selling books of all okay. time this is what i feel the black eyed peas are doing yeah. just i got a feeling tonight's gonna be a good night and then they just repeat that yeah. ad nauseum and talk about fill up my cup lachaim yeah. mazel tov just just buzzwords just keep it dancing just throw at yeah you. How many bar mitzvahs do you think this song was played at during that year? Every bar mitzvah. <laughs> 106% of bar mitzvahs played this. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the few songs I've ever done for the podcast where I'd be embarrassed if someone came into my room and I was listening to it. Really? Because you can't even listen to this ironically. You know, like I can listen to the Jonas Brothers, ironically, or S Club 7, ironically. Black Eyed Peas is just... it's It overcomes irony and it's just so lame. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, so shout out to all our Jewish listeners out there, but God, man, I got a feeling. It, it's just like a lot of girls that I went to high school with would have loved this song, and but, you know, before they go out, they'd play it, and they'd bring their little, you know, like, digital Canon camera to take photos and put on MySpace. That's what this song is all yeah, about. Yeah, definitely. This is just made for graduating high school classes of that year, 
and uh, just to it's like a faux inspirational song you know what I mean I've got nothing more to say about it I really don't I fucking hate that song um, Hey Baby Jonas Brothers this is like a funk song they come out of nowhere with a funk song you've got the horns there you've got this P-funk bass line underneath This is closer to what they should be doing, and it's what Joe Jonas would later do with DNCE, a little bit more funky, but it might be a little too urban sounding <laughs> for the Disney Channel, if you catch my drift. Yes. Uh, I like this song. It should have been a single. I like the song, but I just, like, I can understand why they didn't push it. Yeah, and it's funny because this, I, I looked it up, and this was written by Nick Jonas, and um, if you uh, uh, pay attention to the kind of music he's putting out now, it, it, it kind of does teeter to more of a urban sensibilities yeah i actually did like this song it was a good pop filler track they uh they should have pushed this one the instrumentation is cool um yeah i really dug this one i thought it was one of the standout tracks what do you have for the next track before the storm now nick jonas calls this his favorite song they ever did in the band because of course you're gonna say that if your girlfriend is on the track it is a song featuring miley cyrus who was seeing nick jonas at the time and it's you know it's weird there's so much tabloid attention on essentially two 16 year old kids dating Mm -hmm. Like, grown-up adults that have lives and probably own small businesses around the world are anxiously following the relationship of these two 16-year-olds. Let me tell you, as someone who has been 16 years old and has tried to put the moves on a girl, there's nothing romantic going on there. (laughs) I mean, it's just all awkward handjobs in the park. That's all it is. Maybe he slips off his purity ring. So I I was just... It's weird that there's this obsession with it or this idealisation of this relationship. The song sucks, by the way. I find Miley Cyrus really vocally off-putting. Mm. Like, she's a real industry plant, man. Like, she just gets put in different genres, and she'll release... Like, she releases a hip-hop album, yeah. and now it's like a weird Psychedelica album with the flaming lips, and now she's back to acoustic country, yeah. and she's covering Jolene, and oh, no. And I think now, currently, she's ruining synth-pop as a genre by, like, covering Stevie Nicks or something. Yeah. Uh, so I think Nick Jonas dodged a bullet there. Um, so I hate Miley Cyrus in general. I think she's not very talented and she does nothing for me on this song. Yeah. I, it's interesting with Miley Cyrus. I, I never really helped realize how big she was until what's that song? Wrecking Ball was a smash hit for her. And then people were like, oh, Miley Cyrus, she's like a legit artist. And I was like, the girl from Hannah Montana? Like, really? So it's that. And yeah, and I agree. I have some um, qualms with her because she did a hip hop album and she was uh, successful with it and she did take advantage of it and then she came out and was just like oh hip-hop has such a negative uh connotation i'm just not going to be affiliated with that and it was just kind of like well it was cool for you to do a song with you know juicy J and with khalifa when you were making money off of it but now you've gotten a bad rep now you're trying to do something else try to go back to country or whatever the fuck she was trying to go back to so i didn't really appreciate that but yeah the song itself it is boring um i think this happens a lot when you get couples uh, couples in real life trying to do music together i mean we did a whole episode on yoko and john uh milk and honey and that album was not great or even good at <laughs> by any standards so yeah can you imagine an entire album of this Ooh, yeah rough yeah. but okay I want you to role play now as a sleazy backroom executive at Dis- at the Disney Channel. Yes. 
If you see these two getting together, the guy from Camp Rock and the girl from Hannah Montana, and they're in a relationship, you can smell the money. You can smell the exploitation you're going to get out of this relationship from all the kids out there. It's like if, you know, Raven from That's So Raven started dating, you know, Drake from Drake and Josh. Or if Hilary Duff, Lizzie McGuire started dating... Uh, Patrick from Spongebob or something. You know, just, it, it's, you can smell the money, uh, which is the, the key thing. Yeah, so I think this was just like a little cash grab for the kids. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Hannah Montana was a Disney show too, so it was basically just put these two Disney stars together and let's just, uh, let's, let's try to get some money off these uh, grade school children. Black Eyed Peas continue with Alive, which is a not terrible song. It's a bare bones, electric funk, disco-y song. It's not blowing my ears off, but it's fine. But my God, every time Will I Am comes over the top of it, it just kills the vibe. Fergie is awkwardly talking, rapping over it. The inevitable shit bridge that changes the tempo. This would be a really decent album if the Black Eyed Peas weren't on it. <laughs> who, who, who would you prefer to be on it then? Ah, oh, man... Literally anyone, yeah. literally anyone that was around at the time. Like, I I think Chris Brown would do a better job on this album than they did. Yeah, in regards to Alive, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I thought it was forgettable. I really don't have anything on my in my notes because after a point, the album starts going off a cliff because it's the same kind of thing. I mean, it's cool to have singles, four or five bangers i guess if you're really going for that but especially coming from the black eyed peas who were once very this socially conscious alternative hip-hop group where they can write kind of legit songs just to go straight up you know cash cow cash cow cash cow song um it's it's super disappointing and it's just it's i mean you realize it was just like uh, they're just doing it straight straight for um for the funds in their bank account i lost my shit listening to the next two songs and i feel like i'm being very sweary but I, i'm trying to communicate how i felt about this album missing you comes on and i thought oh man this is actually not bad like this is gonna have a nice little edm drop i can't wait for the payoff here it's gonna be nice it's gonna be euphoric and then will i am comes in and ruins the song Yeah. Yeah. Fuck off, we're like, can you just get in the sea already? Like yeah. because he he interrupts this EDM track and there's no payoff. He just comes in. It really genuinely upset me. It was incredible blue balls for what was already a pretty middling EDM song. Oh he ruins that and it gets worse, folks. Because Ring-A-Ling is a song. And let me just play... I'm just going to play like 10 to 15 seconds of Ring-A-Ling. What do you say to this? This song took my words out of my face. I couldn't process how bad it was. Yeah, this is this is definitely the weakest song on the album. Like... I don't know. Was this a single? Because I felt like I felt like I felt like I, I've heard this before. But um, yeah, this is in your maybe in your nightmares. You've heard <laughs> possibly, <it>. possibly. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, this is a bad, bad song. It's repetitive. It's annoying. The lyrics are just lame as fuck. Um, it's basically a booty call song, and to the point that they even say it outright in the outro, where he's just like booty call booty call yeah it, Just, it it's it's, oh. it's it's really bad and there's 
Like, their idea of making a hit song is just replicating my humps yeah. and making sort of a funny mouth noise and then just repeating it. And so he's gone for a ring-a-ling here. It just doesn't work, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's really bad. Next on Jonas Brothers, What Did I Do To Your Heart? Bit of a pop country song, and there's like a fiddle at the start, which is, you know, it's weird to go from this funk song we just had, then we had a Miley Cyrus ballad, and now we got like a Taylor Swift song. And Taylor Swift is around at the moment, which is interesting. Um, so she released Fearless probably two months before this. The next song, after What Did I Do To Your Heart, much better, is thought to be comparing Joe Jonas's exes, Camilla Bell, and Taylor Swift. There's a reference to Taylor's hit, Teardrops On My Guitar, and basically it's a song about they're split up and Taylor would write a couple songs like Better Than Revenge about Camilla Bell stealing Joe's heart from her. Apparently Joe Jonas dumped Taylor Swift over the phone, which is pretty ice cold. It's a country song. I think they're starting to they're starting to lose the plot here for me. Yeah, this uh, this is where the album gets kind of all over the place. I noticed that with this song, "What Did I Do to Your Heart," um, it had that country vibe, and it's just like, well, okay, was this a pop album or is this like more? Are you guys meant to be going more um, mature rock? It's just yeah, it's just all over the place. And then, um, like a song like "Much Better." Um, you know, I thought that song might be the best song on the album. I thought it had great horns. The drumming is really on point. Um, laid back style really does does them a lot of uh, favors. I don't like the bridge where it breaks down. There's like a bit of a sax solo, but I mean, I didn't think it was enough to throw the baby out with the with the bathwater. And it's ironic that you're bringing up Taylor Swift and the connection because you know the Black Eyed Peas. Um, their album, The End, was nominated for Album of the Year, which is crazy. It makes you sick to your stomach. Yeah. Album of the Year. Of the Year. Album of the Year. And they um, they lost to Taylor Swift um, and her album, Fearless, which uh, is probably, probably for the best for everybody. Black Eyed Peas. Maybe the reason they lost is because of the legal issues. Black Eyed Peas party all the time. Plagiarism. This entire opening is just a direct ripoff of Man Cry by Adam Freeland, and they settled out of court, aka they paid him the money he deserved to be paid for the sample, but Black Eyed Peas didn't have to admit they did something wrong because they settled out of court. Uh, Will I Am comes off as a real piece of work, by the way. Did you did you ever hear about that uh, controversy when he was in Australia flying from Brisbane to Sydney, and he like got a uh, air stewardess in trouble? No, flying from Brisbane to Sydney. And the flight attendant told Will to, like, you know, take off his headphones, buckle up, put his tray... You know, all the pre-landing stuff we've all been told a million times and seemingly don't have an issue with. So what did he do? Did he pull the celebrity card? No, he pulled the race card. Oh, yeah, I've heard something like this. Okay, yeah, go ahead. He started, like, hashtagging. He, like, singled her out. He hashtagged racist flight attendant. He named the woman, shared an image of her and this, like, police officer that, you know, because he was, he was kicking off. And obviously all his fans jump jump on board, dogpile this poor woman just for doing her job and, like, abuse her off Twitter. Very classy stuff, Will. Very nice. Like, this poor woman makes much less money than you. She's just doing what she has to do. Just take off your fucking headphones and listen to what she has to say. He was just too busy listening to that Black Eyed Peas album. <laughs> yeah, he's listening to his own beats. <laughs> so that's the controversial thing. And it's interesting we're talking about race because I think the next song on the Jonas Brothers album deserves some look into it. The song is called Don't Charge Me For The Crime featuring Common. Yes, that Common. The rapper Common. 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 
like, level with us. How badly in debt was Common that he had to sell himself out like this? Because this is obscene. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. This is a this is a song about being caught up in a bank robbery. It's a song about being like taking part in crime and being arrested and. Uh, the Jonas Brothers are like caught up in a robbery because their friend has robbed a bank and they're the getaway driver. And the friend is played by Common. Literally the only black person on the entire album plays a criminal. Common, but there are other options. You can refinance your home or something. You can diversify your portfolio. You don't have to do this to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, this is... This is... I mean, I think you, you, you mentioned it earlier in the week. You told me that Common was on a Jonas Brother album. And then I heard his voice. And I, I love Common. He's one of my favorite rappers ever. And I heard this and I was like, boy, what are you doing? Common, what is going on? Why are you doing this? I had the same reaction um, when I saw Common in the superhero film Suicide Squad. I was like, boy, Common, why? You don't have to do this. And ironically, I had the same reaction to Will I Am in another superhero film, X Men Wolverine Origins, where he is infamously the worst part of that movie. (laughs) And that was a horrible movie. Yeah, the man cannot act. I'm sorry. So. But maybe you know what? Maybe it was it was racism. Oh, <laughs> <That laughs> uh, and look, I'm gonna we're gonna have to start clip. We always do this. I feel like we, every episode we do this, but we just clip to like through the back ends of these albums because they're always bad. These commercial pop albums, out of my head, not offensive, not good. Electric City, Fergie is doing like a bargain bin MIA here on a pretty putrid beat. It's at the point where, like, we didn't listen to an additional 40 minutes of material, Pedro. What horrors could possibly lurk in the, in the 10 tracks we didn't listen to? A lot of stuff. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm happy we didn't do I it. I think a lot of the songs would be about partying and dancing, and it would be all electronic beats and repetitive hooks. I just get that feeling. Yeah, yeah, especially with with the next couple of songs. Electric City, Fergie's putting on an accent. I don't know. This is where the album really starts getting really repetitive and annoying for myself. Um, yeah, it's just it's uh, it's it's really annoying, and um, unfortunately, they're just they're kind of ruining older songs. I mean, Electricity samples a song um, "I Want Candy," which is um, performed by this English new wave band called Bow Wow Wow. I think the original original song is way better. And then Showdown, that beat, it just sounded like Mega Man music to me. You know what I mean? Just like very electronic, like like it just sounded eight bit type of uh, uh, soundtrack. So no, nah, I wasn't wasn't feeling that at all. And then even the next song, Now Generation. I mean, this is something they try to do something different. I guess definitely more of a rock sound, less of a reliance on the electric digital sound that's been super heavy on the rest of the album. There's a lot of social commentary about Generation Y and the impatience of the youth. They where they sing like, <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt. They're like, I'm all about that HTTP. You're a PC and I'm a Mac. MySpace and YoSpace, Facebook is a new place. <laughs> Can you date it yeah, any more yeah, than no. that? I heard that and I was like, oh, that song, 
that line is not going to age well. They said about Generation Now, this song captures the emotion of what it feels like to be part of the young generation who helped move President Barack Obama into the White House. I think they should revoke that Nobel Peace Prize from Obama because he inspired this shit. <laughs> there's, still, there's still time to do so. Because so. I thought I got it mixed up with One Tribe, which is the next song. It, this is like their crack at let's do another Where Is The exactly. Love. Yeah, it's so it's so obvious. That marimba, it's like a childlike tropical sound. It's really popular with um, Bob Sinclair at the time, you know, like Love Generation. We are all one people. Let's catch amnesia. Forget about all that evil. Ugh, it's just so lame, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not good. Um, yeah, it, they're definitely trying to go for that inspirational, uplifting message kind of vibe that they had with uh, Where's the Love. But the thing with Where's the Love is one massive factor about that song is that they had Justin Timberlake on it. You know what I mean? And um, that star power that he brings is going to um, definitely boost that song up. And I'll, I'll, I'll let's if we loop it back to the Jonas Brothers, who have some real album filler coming up with Turn Right, which is a pretty shit ballad, and Don't Speak. I understand where the market for the Black Eyed Peas come from because they're hip-hop, quote-unquote, but they're a group, there's a female singer in it, so it, like other females feel more comfortable listening to it. It's not just like a like De La Soul or something or A Tribe Called Quest where it's all just like black guys rapping. You got Apple to App, who's Filipino. You got Taboo, who's Mexican in the group. They're like a real multicultural, diverse face of alternative hip-hop. I sort of get it. What do people get out of Jonas Brothers here? Is it just because it's, like, safe? If the members of the Jonas Brothers weren't in GQ's sexiest male celebrities, would these albums even be made? If the Jonas Brothers were fuck ugly, would they get the record deal and the Disney Channel's appearances? Probably not. But they're just really clean-cut, good-looking kids, so they people tolerate their music? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, as we mentioned before, they were manufactured by the Walt Disney uh, company. So I think you have these three brothers. It's easy to be, all right, the Jonas brothers or the Jonases, whatever you want to call them and just put them in front of the camera. And, you know, they, each of them have a personality that every type of little teenage bopper can, uh, uh, appeals to them. So it's just really marketable because like the music itself, like I said, if you listen to this album or anything before, it's just, there's nothing there. It's just, it's nothing that stands out to me. The only song that I really know from them was Sucker. And that's like, I don't, you know, that's last year. So, and I'm sure they probably had a lot of help writing that song and putting that thing together. I mean, it's all about what you grow up with, right? Yeah. So if you, if we'd grown up with the Jonas Brothers and seeing them on TV and then listening to the songs, maybe the songs would hit a little harder. Yeah. And, and maybe for a lot of people, because EDM was still quite a fresh thing, which is crazy to say. Mm -hmm. But in 2009, people didn't really know about EDM or pe people weren't really into like house as much because it was just hitting the mainstream with guys like David Guetta. So you have a song like Rockin' to the Beat, to the Beat, <laughs> Rockin' to the Beat on <laughs> the end. It's a rare appearance by Taboo on the track. It's not bad. But we've done Discovery by Daft Punk on the show. Yeah. So it's like the different... If I listen to this... It's the same, they're trying to go like for a French house, electro type vibe. And if I listen to this, and then I listen to Discovery, Discovery is like enjoying a gourmet meal at a five-star restaurant. Whereas Rockin' to the Beat is like looking at a picture of the meal, 
in a magazine, you know, in your neighbor's living room through a pair of binoculars. That's how far away from the actual flavor of the food we're getting. It's just like a very bland imitation of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's funny because I like this one because it did have that Daft Punk vibe to it. And it was quite short. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. So that's why I really enjoyed this song. Uh, Jonas Brothers ended with Keep It Real. And I thought the whole album was going to be like Keep It Real because it was actually a little bit fun. And I thought they needed more of this. It's a real, it's a pretty fun song. Some nice driving guitar. But I was surprised. The whole album. I've listened to that Jonas. I've listened to Lines, Vines, and Trying Times, released June sixteenth, two thousand and nine. I've listened to that four times this week mm. in varying in varying degrees, and I can't recall a single thing about it. And I have a pretty good memory. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand. I, I don't understand. It sold like a million copies worldwide. I don't understand. Oh, well, it's getting pushed by the Disney Channel. They have, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure if you go to ride, uh, it's a small world while you're waiting in line. They're pumping the Jonas Brothers and stuff like that. So there's a built-in audience there. But So I, I think that's a, a, a massive part of it. They got this big company behind them. I mean, in regards to this song, Keep It Real, I mean, I, I, I was, I liked it, but then I was like, I wonder why I like it. It sounds familiar. And then I was like, oh, it, it sounds very similar to Maxine Nightingale's song, Right Back Where I'm From. And it's almost um, a, a, a copy of that song, if you, if you listen to it. Maxine's song is way better. It's actually like a classic soul song. So I would just suggest for people to to go out and listen to that one prior or before. On that note, let's take it to the breakdown. Pedro... I mean, as you, as you kept bringing up, unfortunately, that sort of made the bile in my stomach rise up a bit, this Black Eyed Peas album was incredibly successful. Incredibly, incredibly so. Um, it sold damn near over 9 million copies, I think, worldwide. Nominations for Album of the Year. It defined club music in little old Alice Springs, Australia, and it did in Hollywood, California, Los Angeles. Um... Why was why did this album appeal so much to people, and why was the Jonas Brothers such a cultural thing as well? Oh man! Well, as far as the Black Eyed Peas album, I'm going to quote John Bush of AllMusic.com, and he says the Black Eyed Peas make effective pop crossover music, but with all the limitations of the form, vapid lyrics, clumsy delivery. Vocal smooth over autotune and songwriting that strains and reaches for the lowest common denominator. <laughs> End quote. So I think that's a massive, massive part of it. I will give Will I Am credit. I think he's an incredible producer. He has an ear for good pop music and stuff that's going to be on the radio. He created a song, uh, excuse me, an album where 50% of it is going to go straight to the radio. Um, so it's all that. And then as far as the, the Jonas Brothers, I mean, uh, I think they're they're very much the manufactured Disney product, and, and, that's, a, and that's a big thing that, that's um, going to give them success. That's why they're a thing. Um, this album, they're probably going for a little more mature sound. There's three of them. They're probably don't know where to go exactly so that's why this album has a little bit of a country feel has a little bit of the rock 
They had Common on there, try to go with Street. Common! They had Common on this album. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a, it's a bit of a mess. They're trying to be a little more mature, but they just don't know how to go about doing it. Yeah, man. I, I, I've been sitting here for the past hour trying to articulate or verbalize why I don't like this Black Eyed Peas album so mm. much. And I just think it is a real commercialization and bastardization of a genre that had promise before it was oversaturated and stuff. It is This is the peak of oversaturation of EDM, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, there are producers that are very commercial, and it's going to make me sound like a fucking pleb for saying it. <laughs> very commercial, but I enjoy them still. Like, Calvin Harris is one of the most commercial DJs, but I think he has a really good ear for it. Right. Mark Ronson, really commercial, has a really good ear for for music, like, with the stuff they do. Diplo, Major Lazer, you know. They, there's a good way to do EDM and, like, earworms that get stuck in your head. I think Black Eyed Peas is, like you said, the lowest common denominator. It is, they take one good idea that they've cribbed from David Getter or something and just repeat it ad nauseum, talking about getting drunk, dancing, and there's nothing more to right. it. But people wanted it at the time, and it was incredibly successful. Mm. So who are we to judge? Exactly. What have we ever done? How many rec- millions of records have we sold? Because I lived through it. You know, we reviewed 1984 Van Halen. We reviewed... Um, you know, all these albums from the past. I didn't really live through them. I wasn't in a nightclub drinking at the time. I lived through this era, and it fucking sucked, man. I'm telling <laughs> you right now. For the Jonas Brothers, man, I think... Because we were initially, for peeling behind back the curtain, we wanted to do a Miley Cyrus album, but we got the dates mixed up. That's right. Because she released an album about a month after this, and these the Jonas Brothers was a little bit closer. They are the opposite in terms of they are not following trends. They are just doing a very safe stock music. You know, they, they might dip their toe into one song with Common and dip their toe into pop country because Taylor Swift is really big at the moment and you might also be porking her. <laughs> that helps. You can listen to this and it is more timeless. It's not 2009. This could have come out in 2004. It could have come out in 2018 because there's nothing really there. I think the Jonas Brothers do have talent or have at least developed into a little bit more talent because mm-hmm. uh, they're still very young here. But I'm just shocked it was as successful as it was because it's so bland. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What do you got for uh, two songs? One off each album. Oh, okay. So uh, I'll start with the Jonas. Uh, off the Jonas, I think I'm going to choose... Um, I think Much Better. I thought it was the uh, the best song on the album. It's a good song. It's a good song. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought it had great horns. And if you actually listen to the drumming, like um, it's, it's really on point. Just it hits every time like it, it's really complements it really well so i'm gonna i'm gonna choose that and then off of um fuck should i do ironic or should i actually pick a really good song <laughs> <laughs> i mean you can do whatever you want yeah man. i mean listen everyone's heard the majority of this album so i'm gonna choose rock to the beat because honestly i thought it was the best track on the album that i haven't heard before and it's pretty short. <laughs> For Black Eyed Peas, I'm going to go with uh, Rock That Body. Um, no, actually, no, no, Meet Me Halfway, because mm. that's one I can tolerate. I can really tolerate Meet Me Halfway, which is as much as I'm going to say for, for any of that. Uh, production's good. The sample of Maps is very, very subtle, but it's nice, and I love that song. Who doesn't? Uh, so let's go and Meet Me Halfway. For the Jonas Brothers, 
I have not, not actually heard the Maxine Nightingale song you're you're referencing mm. towards it, but I like Keep It Real. Mm. So maybe I'll like that song even more, and then I'll never have to listen to another Jonas Brothers song. Because <laughs> Keep It Real, I thought, was a really fun end to the album. And that's what I thought it would be. I thought, like, a teen brother album, it was going to be about fun. I thought it was going to be about fun. And it was a lot more heartbreak and sort of whininess than mm. I expected and a little bit of um, herpes in it as well, which I didn't see coming. Yeah. Um, I just wanted more fun and maybe that's why they were trying to be more serious and more mature, but it didn't work for me. So, you know how I said at the start that I wanted to do shit albums more often? I kind of don't anymore because <laughs> this was a real hard, like, eight hours of my life I had to spend listening and researching these albums. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think we'll probably move forward into something that we're going to enjoy a little bit more. <laughs> uh, everyone, thanks so much for listening. If you're new to the show, we might have some new listeners this week. Uh, we'd really appreciate Get in touch with us at When Albums Collide on Instagram. Uh, you can message us, suggest an album, maybe even be a guest on the show. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, yeah. so uh, get in touch with us. Yeah, definitely. And um, keep listening, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. All right. See you. See you next week, man. See you. Bye.